This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to sort of the Cooler Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessingson and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, we've been talking about a few interviews we have lined up for this week. The first of which, a return guest, Thomas Morstead, back on the podcast. Very excited about this one because, Thomas, I'll be honest, we ended the last interview and I was like, all right, that went well. And then I just started kicking myself because I completely forgot that you were the guy who had the onside kick in the Super Bowl for the Saints and I didn't talk about it. It's one of, you know, I remember it as a kid, it's one of the best plays in Super Bowl history and you're at the center of it and we didn't even talk about it. So I guess we'll start there first. I mean, I guess how you're doing. And then can you walk us through that moment, that whole uh, I mean, just the halftime deciding you're going to do the onside kick, the art of the onside kick, landing him. I mean, it's your your name will always be down in in history as a part of one of the the best plays in, in Super Bowl history. Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, yeah, that play was uh, I was a rookie. Um, I never kicked off in college, so uh, that season was my first kicking off. Um, we had a our kicker at the time that got suspended, and we brought in an old uh, player named John Carney who, you know, was kicking it straight still, but he couldn't kick it very far. So I kind of stepped up and told the coaches I could, I could kick further than John and they let me kick off and I ended up getting really good in it, uh, at it. And uh, I think my third year I broke the NFL record for touchbacks. I and mean, I was really, really a great kickoff guy really in my career. Um, so yeah, that was my rookie year. And um, you know, going into that uh, Super Bowl. um, Coach Payton was looking for ways to essentially steal a possession. Felt like that was something we needed to do to, to give ourselves the best chance to win. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, they looked to do a fake punt at first, but they were very, very vanilla and conservative on their punt return team, so that wasn't a good look. And so um, we came up with this uh, onside kick um, that actually – I think Olindo More had hit for the Saints in 2007 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we pulled that tape up, and and uh, John was like, "Hey, can you uh, you think you can hit this ball?" And so uh, we worked on it a little bit, and uh, I never believed we'd actually do it in the Super Bowl. I mean, I just thought it was kind of like we're we're going to be ready to do this, and we're going to be aggressive and kind of have that nature about it. But I didn't actually think we'd ever do it. And, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I was, uh, when we, when coach came in the locker room at halftime and he walked right by my locker, just in passing, it was like, Hey, we're running ambush to start the second half. I mean, you know, I've never had, I don't think I've ever had like a heart palpitations or anything like that, but I mean, I was freaked the F out and, uh, immediately kind of started thinking about, you know, there's a billion people watching this and, um, what if I screw up and, you know, what if it ruins our chance to win the game and anyways i got kind of rolling and at some point i was like a, a psychologist for myself just like talking myself through it and uh i was just telling myself that if we uh you know i was like all right, i'm gonna let it all out i'm gonna let every negative thing i could possibly every negative outcome every negative consequence i'm gonna just 
to throw it all up and uh and i was pacing back and forth and i looked like such a spaz because i don't take my helmet off at halftime mm-hmm. um and so i'm just sitting in my locker a rookie with his helmet on strapped up for like 35 minutes just panicked and uh i started kind of pacing around the locker room and i, I kept this picture of my coach up in uh in my locker uh his name was frank ann senior he had died the day after i got drafted and uh he used to have this acronym ACDC, which basically um, the first A was for being more aggressive than your opponent. And his saying was the more aggressive team normally wins. And, and I thought, well, this is pretty effing aggressive. And I kind of <laughs> relaxed. And then I thought, you know, every time coach called me to do this in practice the past two weeks, I've hit it just how I wanted. And all of a sudden I started feeling good about it. And I was like, man, if we get this, we're like, we're going to win this game. And, uh, um, so anyways, I went out, uh, <clears throat> to start warming up and, um, uh, the, the worst thing about hitting that kick is you can't practice it before you hit it. So every day in practice, we would coach would just call me up out of the blue to hit it cold because that's how it's going to be in the game. And so I'm out there just hammering kickoffs through the back of the end zone. I've got so much adrenaline. I'm like trying to get the energy out. And, uh, and so we go over, we huddle up and John Carney was now not kicking for us. He would hit, they transitioned to a coach to kind of hang and help us out the rest of the year. And he was so valuable. And he used to always tell me to kick at 10%. And, uh, as we were going out there, he grabbed me and turned me around and he looked at me and he said, Timo 1% because he knew I was, I was gassed up. And, uh, so I went out there, teed the ball up and, uh, took my steps and I just said a little prayer and I, I said, I hope Frank, I hope you're, hope you're watching here. Um, and I hit it and I kind of, honestly, I kind of blacked out and, uh, it was the longest scrum ever. And, uh, fortunately we got it and, uh, obviously it helped us win the game. So it was a pretty cool experience. I can't even imagine the elation after recovering it because that's, I mean, that's a long halftime to be sitting and waiting for, <laughs> for the kick and then no to shit. actually hit it. <laughs> yeah. What's the- it was, a, it was a cool experience and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, when we got it, it was such a sigh of relief. Cause I mean, it was not as clean as we'd hoped it would be. And, um, uh, and thank God we recovered it and it was, um, you know, we went down scored, took our first lead of the game. And even though they came back and scored again, the next drive, it was kind of like, after we did that, we just, it, we almost had this team of destiny feeling like we just knew we were going to win. And it was, uh, it was the coolest magical thing to be a part of. Well, let's hope uh, the Jets can uh, give you a second Super Bowl ring this year. Obviously, the vibe's been pretty immaculate thus far throughout OTAs. Obviously, you were with the team for a little bit in, in 2021. I'd imagine the feeling in that facility is a lot different uh, these days. Uh, I guess you know what have been your your first impressions now that you've you've had a little bit with the team. You've you know you've been in, in Coach Sala's meetings. You've been in Brant Boyer's meetings. You kind of gotten a chance to meet some of the new guys that weren't there when you were there initially. I guess, you know, from the outside looking in, it, it seems like the the vibes are that this is a confident team that's ready to come compete. Um, but what have, what have been your impressions uh, since arriving? That's exactly how I'd put it, the way you just said it. Uh, uh, a team that's confident and ready to compete. And uh, I think we have a good attitude right now. I don't think anybody thinks we've made it or arrived or that, you know, we're guaranteed to make it to the Super Bowl or guaranteed to make it to a championship game or even the playoffs. You look at the AFC, I mean, this this conference is, is loaded. So, um, you know, we're just working right now. Guys are trying to get to know each other. Um, you know, trying to build that team chemistry. 
Um, you know, we have such a long way to go. It's like, there's not even light at the end of the tunnel right now. Right. It's like, let's just enjoy our summer break. Guys stay in shape and you come back, you get in training camp and you're not even thinking about the first game of the season yet. Right. You're, it's just about stacking bricks every day and everybody getting better. And that's what the whole season is. Um, it's just process oriented, getting better every day. Um, that's all it has to be about. And if, and if we have a bunch of guys that are doing that, then uh, I bet you will have some pretty good results to show at the end. Yeah, and, and you played under Coach Sala in 2021. <laughs> but um, as Ben said, and as you described, it's a different feeling around the team this year. So what has been Coach Sala's message to the team so far this year? And you know, how does that sort of compare to what he was building when you were here at the beginning of Sala's tenure a couple of years ago? Um, well, I would say number one, you're dealing with a, an experienced head coach now, right? He was in his first year, two years ago. And, and, uh, you know, I don't think people, people think about this with players, but then always think about with coaches is, you know, rookies are rookies for a reason, right? They've, they, they're new to the league and they have a lot to learn, a lot of experience to gain. And I think, uh, coach Salah was a rookie two years ago, and I'm sure he's learned a bunch about, um, not that his values and philosophies have changed, but I'm sure he has uh, has morphed as a coach and continued to grow and evolve. So, um, you know, I think that's one thing. As far as the team goes, you know, it's, it is a different team. Um, a lot of guys that were here before, um, but there's a lot of new guys as well. And, uh, you know, I think I think the time is now is, is the best way I could put that as far as the messaging the times now. Um, I think everybody can feel that. And uh, the organization, I mean, if you go just look at their actions that they've taken um, this year, it's the time is now. So we're all excited about it. And, and there's another thing I'm curious to ask you about in terms of, you know, Coach Sal and some of his messages. Um, if you watch some of the uh, I'm not sure if you watched, but I know most Jets fans have the, um, the Flight 2023 documentary uh, that they put out. It has all this great footage of you guys this offseason, all the work that's been put in and uh I've seen he has um, Coach Sal's had you guys in the meeting room doing some PowerPoints, like kind of communicating his message and stuff like that. So uh, what are your thoughts on some of his uh, just like his coaching style, doing those PowerPoints and, uh, and those presentations, things like that? Um, how is that? How do those things sort of help the message resonate with the team? Um. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know exactly how to answer that. I guess I would just say <laughs> that he's very thoughtful and, um, it seems to me that he's very thoughtful and, and, uh, the, you know, we're not just doing things just to do them. You know, I think there's every word that's put up there. There's a reason for it. Every drill we do, there's a reason for it. There's a validation of you're validating why. So guys understand why we're doing things. And, and, um, you know, I think players, you know, the, the, the old days of do, do what I say because I say, and don't ask why. I think that's that does you can't be successful if you're doing that, things that way. Um, guys want to know why players are, um, you know, so well prepared. There's a the game is so complex now that you know you got a lot of smart guys in there, um, and they want to know why we're doing what we're doing. They need to know, you know, if you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, you can't make adjustments when shit hits the fan in a game, right? If a guy misses their gap. How does this guy pick up for him? So I think when everybody understands the why to what we're doing, 
um, it, it, there's diff- just a different level of buy-in and that's the, that's the best way to answer that. Yeah, I guess, I mean, cause we were talking about it beforehand. We're writing these questions. I guess the, the larger point we were kind of making is we noticed in all the, the, the footage, you can see stuff written on the walls about, you know, like, uh, I think it was negativity fills the void when communication yep. lacks or something like that. And then there's been a lot of stuff about finishing cause the jets obviously had a tough end to, to last year and didn't finish some games maybe the way they, they would have wanted to. And so it seems like Sala is very big on these. Um, yeah, he has these, I guess, sayings and we did 60% is another one. He has this uh, style of coaching that is, has a heavy emphasis on communication. Do you feel like that's, you know, something that's resonating with the players or sometimes, you know, we, we, we couldn't tell. We, we feel like it would probably resonate with players, but um, you know, we were, we want, we're curious to see uh, from your perspective, how that actually yeah. resonates. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, it, you know, just as a, an example of what you guys are talking about, watching our defense practice and the way they communicate as motions are happening and things are changing in the formation, uh, is, is amazing to watch. I mean, it's really, really cool. Um, and you can't fake that. That means you're into it. You're, you're, you're attentive. You're, you're, you're locked in, you're focused. And so, that's one example of just seeing that high level of communication um, and, and everybody's bought in, I think on that. So it's exciting to see. What's the typical structure of an OTA practice. Can you just take us through like your day, especially as a, as a punter? I mean, I can't imagine you're a veteran punter. You know how to punt the football. You don't want to burn your leg out uh, from the start of the day through the end of the day. What is, what does your day look like uh, when you're in Jersey for, for a practice? Uh, show up. You know, if, if if you're an injured guy or got something you're getting treatment for, you're up a little earlier than everybody else. But get in, get breakfast. Uh, typically, it's kind of an eight to two type of time frame. I think we've got six Wait, hours. Can we pause, do you like the breakfast? Is the food of the yeah, facility adequate? I would I would say the food is is uh, is definitely a, a positive at the uh, facility. Okay, for sure. I, I know. I'm sure you guys saw those uh, team rankings of all the different yeah, yeah. things. Um, so I think. Yeah, I think the uh, the Jets, as far as their facility goes, food, all that stuff, um, definitely a plus. So, what's what's your go to um, breakfast on a practice day? Um, uh, typically, I'll do five eggs with uh, onions, peppers, mushrooms, and uh, bison. Okay, uh, all just scrambled up together, avocado, a little bit of fruit, maybe a yogurt. Um, and then probably a few hours later after meetings, I'll do um, some granola um, and then uh, start taking all my, uh, all my supplements leading up to practice. You know, I'm a, I like to have a little bit of caffeine for, so I'm not a coffee drinker, but I like to have a little caffeine for practice. And um, basically I'm kind of uh, grazing, whether it's practice or a game, you know, that after I've had a big meal, way before practice, whether it's breakfast or lunch or, or even dinner for a night game. Um, I'd really like to, you know, just kind of graze the rest of the day on a little light protein granola, some honey, uh, and just keep a little drip of caffeine going, uh, just for a little bit of elevated, you know, uh, attentiveness, I guess. And then, okay. So then you're done with breakfast and what is, what does the rest of the day look like? You go straight into meetings or do you have a practice? Yeah. Well, we've got meetings. Uh, in OTAs, anyways, we have meetings uh, positionally, and then we'll have a special meeting, then we'll have a team meeting. And then uh, after that team meeting, I think guys typically will have their own uh, kind of going over what's 
going to happen in practice, which, which we've already done as specialists in our special teams meeting. So um, we're on a little different, different path. Um, and then we will, uh, you know, just get ready for practice, go out. Depends on if I'm kicking at the beginning, middle or end kind of changes what time I'll get going. Um, and then uh, after that, we'll have a lift. And uh, that's about it for OTAs. It's pretty simple. Um, training camp's a little different just because it's longer. It's my boy Maxwell saying what's up. What's um, up? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, all good. Um, training camp's – I wouldn't say it's a ton different other than obviously this pads. But as far as structure goes, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a more challenging time for everybody uh, just because of physical contact and, and being in pads and the practices are longer – all those types of things. But um, as far as the structure goes, it's, it's relatively similar. What are those special teams meetings like? I mean, what are some of the things that you might primarily focus on in those? Yeah. Special teams meeting is, is, is probably a little different than individual position meetings because you're, you're dealing with all of the guys um, that are on a, on a, on a core unit, right? So let's say it's punt. You're dealing with a punter, a long snapper, a bunch of interior core guys. You've got gunners out on the edges. So, um, sometimes we're all in there as a group, everyone and then they'll split up between, uh, Brant Boyer and Michael Gobriel, um, and kind of say, okay, the interior guys are here. The, the gunners are over here. Um, and to, to be a little more efficient with like what the film, what films actually being watched. Um, I, I'd equate it to kind of like the difference between being on a, you know, a smaller class size of five kids getting taught by a teacher as opposed to having 30 kids in class, right? You can't be nearly as efficient with 30 guys in the class. So, um, you know, they're thoughtful about that. Um, and, you know, I'd say 80% of the rule book in the NFL is in the kicking game. So many unique rules. So, so much of the kicking game is just about educating guys on situations and understanding the rules so they can make good decisions during games. Um, and, and, and it's such a complex rule book that I, I learn stuff sometimes. I'm like, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that, right? So you're always kind of re-educating. Uh, there's always a bunch of young guys you can, that, you're, uh, that you're having to uh, lean on during a season. So you're always relearning. You know, there's a lot of rules that are different in the pros than there are in college. So you can't take any of those things for granted. And you got to go from scratch every year. And speaking of those young guys, is, is there anyone on the special teams unit who has stood out to you so far? I, I mean, obviously, Justin Hardy's still here. He's amazing. But specifically looking at you know some of the newer players, maybe some of the younger players, anyone in particular? Um, you know, I, I've met a few of the young guys. Um, this first-round draft pick from Iowa State is, is uh, really an interesting kid. Um, and I think just watching, you know, it'd be very easy for a kid that's a first-round pick to, like, say, I'm not here to play special teams. I'm here to they drafted me in the first round because they see me being a defensive guy. I'm sure he believes that, but I've been impressed with his level of, uh, of uh, improvement just on learning, especially in the punt game. That's where I'm, uh, you know, selfishly a little bit more focused. Um, just watching him, you know, it's important to him. And uh, that's exciting to see because that's a form of leadership. And uh, although he's a rookie, I think he's got a chance to really step up and be a leader for us in special teams this year. And, uh, and I've told him that and I'm excited about him. And, uh, you know, I think when you have guys like that, <clears throat> that could very easily be like, no, I'm not here for that. Um, that, that have the opposite attitude that are like, Hey, coach has me in here because this is my role right this second. And I need to be able to be counted on, depend on. I think that's super important. And, um, 
So he's a guy that's impressed, but at the end of the day, nobody has pads on. So, you know, right now it's about learning and, excuse me, learning fundamentals, uh, learning, um, you know, assignments, but, uh, there's always guys that flash in training camp that you didn't even see at all in, uh, OTAs because they get pads on and you see guys that strike and that they just, they just, it's a, it's a physical game. And, uh, having jerseys on with a helmet isn't, isn't very, uh, you know, it's not, it's not something that always transfers over. You know, weights and pads get on. I think that's probably the case for, for most players, but the one player that you can probably take some impressions away from is the QB number eight, Aaron Rodgers. obviously you two, some of the longest tenured players in the NFL, both in New York. I don't know how many interactions you've had with Aaron over the years or even since being in New York, but what have been your impressions just from what you've been able to see at practice and what he's bringing to this team. Yeah. I mean, I didn't need to become teammates with him to understand um, what he brings. Um, you know, we played them last year on uh, Christmas day and uh, I think he was healthy at that point. And he, he made five or six throws in that game. I was like, you can't defend that. You know, that's just, there's no defense to beat that throw. And so, um, you know, when you have a guy that can do stuff like that, it just changes everything. So, um, yeah, it's been cool to get to know him a little bit. I think, uh, you know, old guys tend to, tend to, uh, migrate towards each other in the locker room, you, you, you know, for some reason. So we definitely had a few conversations. I've been very impressed with him in, in the weight room specifically. He's just, I didn't realize how strong he is. Um, and he really takes care of his body. So, um, that's something that I've always taken pride in. So it's been cool seeing a guy that, you know, typically the position like that, you don't see all the time. So, um, very impressed with that. Just the level of energy that everybody has related to him, um, being our quarterback. It's just exciting. All right. So you said you're impressed with him in the weight room. Who can squat more, you or A-Rod? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. I can tell you this. I, I have squatted more than him in the weight room, but I, okay. I'm not, I don't know if he's maxing out or what he's doing. Uh, maybe he's just doing warm up sets and he's just that strong that, that, uh, you know, I don't really know what that peak is, but, um, but yeah, so far I would say, um, you know, he, he gave me a hard time. He, he said, I need to have two belts for what I was squatting the other day. So, uh, he's kind of giving me some shit for that, but, uh, but it's cool. You know, it's, you know, when you, when you get older, <clears throat> that weight room becomes more and more important. And, uh, you, you look around the guys that play a long, long time in this league. I don't care what position they are. They live in that weight room. So, um, you know, I took that as a compliment. Yeah, and Brady was always talking about like, <clears throat> what was it, plyometrics or not plyometrics? It was uh, pliability, and uh, you know, yep. I, I kind of read a little bit of what he was talking about. What do you think the key is to longevity in the NFL? It just you know, you say it's in the weight room, but is it more reps or is it more going for max? Or what, what's kind of the, the key to longevity? Um, I honestly don't know how to blanketly answer that. Um, <laughs> all I know is that. Nobody knows my body as well as I do. Just like nobody knows Aaron's body better than he does. And, and same with Tom. And I think, um, you know, a big part of being a professional and just being successful in life is being honest with yourself. And a lot of times people shy away from things that are hard or difficult because, because they're hard and difficult and who wants to do that? That's uncomfortable. So, um, I find that, you know, constantly, you know, trying new things, um, getting yourself into discomfort, um, 
you know, the wind is, is blowing. You could go the easy way and practice and look really good for the scouts and the people that are, you know, you know, charting your, your session, or you could go the hard way. And, uh, I, as a general rule, try to always do the more difficult thing. So that's really boded well for me. Um, and you know, as far as my training goes, um, I think consistency is key. I would say that's the number one thing is just being consistent, which, which I mean is like, not just, oh, I work out this many days a week. It's nutrition. It's how you eat, how you hydrate, your sleep. Everything matters all the time. And I think the easiest way to kind of encapsulate that is more of like a, um, you know, if you used, if you could go out when you were 22 and have a, a bender of a night, drink your ass off and, and you know, kind of sleep it off and, and be fine the next evening, you know, that that margin for – getting at a deficit is less and less as you get older. So, you know, banking sleep, doing more than you need today, because you know, in three days, you've got a road trip uh, night game where you're going to get back at seven in the morning on Monday, and you've got another game the next week. If you're not thinking ahead and planning all those things out, um, you just, you're just constantly trying to just maximize everything. And, uh, and if you feel good on Sundays, an older player, you typically play pretty well. And so um, that was a very long-winded answer to your no, question. I, yeah, I mean, I imagine younger Thomas Morstead down in New Orleans may have had a few of those benders, especially after the Super Bowl. But um, but I yeah, imagine... there was some a lot of lot of lot of questionable decisions made uh, that <laughs> first year. But um, that's life, and uh, definitely um, you know you you live and learn and. And you, you continue to get better. And I think as long as you're in a growth mindset, you got a chance to keep going. All right. A couple more for you. Uh, I did want to ask you about the new special teams rules. Uh, I know a lot of special teams coaches were against the the new uh, fair catch on kickoffs. How do you feel about it? Is this something that you Trash. were pretty, terrible? Can you explain why? Yeah. I, you know, I just don't understand, you know, I, I understand, look, there's a higher injury risk on special teams. That's just a fact. Um, and I understand trying to make the plays safer, but by making the plays uh, worse, I don't think making a play worse is good for the game. So, do you if you want to get XFL uh, the way that that they were doing it, do you think that I, is I, a good solution? I thought I thought it was really interesting. I think they had very few injuries on it, and a uh, lot less high speed collisions. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's interesting, <clears throat> and uh, I think it should be looked at. I know the NFL doesn't want to be seen as copying some substandard league in, in their eyes, but um, you know, uh, you know, if you if you think something's better and the data shows that it's better and it accomplishes that, you can still have an exciting play with exciting returns. You know, I'm not opposed to stealing any sort of good idea from somebody to implement it in my own life. So, um, yeah, I just think it's kind of trash because it 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 I, I think it makes the game worse. And, who, you know, I think they should always be if they make changes, it should be um, in making the game more watchable, more exciting. So and this is this is a question that might seem a little trivial, but it's a topic oh that Ben yeah. and I love to discuss. <laughs> so we ask every player we interview a question along these lines. But what is your favorite color of the Jets uniform? <laughs> we have the green, we have the white, we have the black. Uh, did you wear black when no. during your tenure here last time? I don't know if they wore it. Many of the games you played. Yeah, which yeah, one is your I've favorite? Got a, I, I've got one at, at 
I've got one here. So we must have either we wore one or we were getting ready to wear one before I got released and they, and I was able to keep it. But um, yeah, I like the old school stuff. I like the green. Um, you got Ed Sheeran wearing a jersey at the concert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw. I was uh, I was pretty cool. I was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the green. Um, you know, the uh, everybody can wear white and everybody has a black piece to the. You know, most teams have a black piece to their jerseys, but that 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 jet green's kind of like original to the Jets. So um, I'm all about that. Yeah, I mean, I, hopefully we can get some more of it this year because last year I think it was only one game where we wore it. But um, also the schedule came out since the last time we talked to you. And in week two, you guys are going to Dallas. And I've always wondered, I know, Ben, you've wondered, what is that Jumbotron like? How much of an effect does that have on you while you're kicking? Because it seems pretty low, like you could hit it if you wanted to. So how cognizant are you of the Jumbotron in Dallas? I mean, everybody that goes there that's a putter, I mean, it's like a – you got to scratch the itch, you know, you got to, <laughs> you got to, you got to hit that sucker in pregame and make sure you're, you're still able to do that. But um, I think you definitely have to go out of your way to hit it. Um, it's right down the middle of the field, which, excuse me, which I'm never trying to do. So, um, you know, I think you definitely have to go to, out of your way to hit it. All right. Last question. You mentioned Dallas. Michael and I were curious. I was like, how many is Thomas ever had a fake punt? And you had one in Dallas. Didn't go too well, apparently. But how it was confident not, it, was, it was not a good decision. No. <laughs> what what happened on that play? And how confident are you if your number's called this season to throw a dime? Do we do we feel like we can do it? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just more about do you guys want Aaron Rodgers throwing a fourth down throw <laughs> or me? You know, that's that's the real question. Um, yeah, look, it was the same thing there. We were it was Sunday night football. We were getting our we were getting our butts kicked uh in Dallas. I think this was in 2014, maybe. And um we had this play that we'd had in from the previous season and we kept working on it and the only negative to it. And, and I will say this, I mean, it's enough times passed where I'm not throwing anybody on the bus, but the question was, Hey, do we have a check out of this in case we get a certain look? And the answer was always, no, we're not, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to play with scared money. And I thought, man, there's certain looks against <laughs> us. would not be good. And uh, we were, we were down 14 points with like seven and a half minutes to go in the game. So it's like prime, like, you know, you know the other team's going to be in a safe look, just waiting for the fake. They All they care is that you punt the ball. They don't care if you punt it 90 yards. Like, they just want to get the ball back and waste the time. And uh, we went out there, and they called it. And, uh, and, and I remember running out there thinking, this is not going to go good. <clears throat> so we ran the play. I did make a guy miss, which I was very proud of. Um, but then I got sacked. I didn't throw it. I think if there would have been two or three minutes left, in the game, I probably would have just thrown a prayer up like, but they had five guys in coverage against our two eligibles. It was a bad, bad, bad deal. And, uh, and so I probably would have thrown it if it, we had less time, but it was still seven minutes and we were nursing a two score. We're still two scores down. So I just felt like, you know, if it's not there, you, you just take the play. Hopefully we force them to punt back and, um, and, uh, and then we will still have a chance to win the game. So I didn't end up throwing it. So I think my, I think uh, even though I didn't throw it, it goes on my QBR because it was a sack. Yeah. So that wasn't good for the old numbers. Um, but you know, it'll be it'll be even greater whenever we do at some point uh, run a fake because um, because I've never done one. And uh, 
So, you know, we'll see. We'll be looking. We'll be looking for it. They did go two for two last year, right? Yeah. What's that? Uh, Punt fakes. The Jets went two for two. Uh, Braden threw one against Cleveland. And uh, Ashton Davis ran one against Buffalo, I believe. Yeah, the cool the, the one in uh, the one in uh, Cleveland was really really cool because uh, I mean that was that I mean special teams were really helped win that game for New York yeah. last yeah. year because uh, they had the onside kick they got yep. back and it was uh, it only was one a, I've ever wow. seen since the the Jets have had since the new rules with the onside kicks by the way yeah yeah they're hard to get when you know they're coming so yeah well maybe we'll maybe we'll see another surprise one and a fake punt Thomas that'd be uh, pretty cool. I'm well, I'm up for anything. I'm up for anything. Uh, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you a quick chance to shout out your Twitter. Where can our, our listeners come and find you? Uh, if you, you, you you're pretty you're posting you, kind of a lot now. So yeah, well, look if you can if you can figure out how to spell my name correctly, you can find it. That's all it is. It's Thomas okay. Morstead. So I'll let I'll let the fans try to figure it out. It's not all spelled right. how you think. So <laughs> it's M O R S T E A D. So simple as that. That's simple it. as that. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us, giving us, we went a little long, but thank you. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, best of luck to you this season. We know that if the Jets need a big time play from you, either a surprise onside kick or a fake, we're pretty confident uh, we, we got the right guy to do it. So uh, enjoy your, your your time off and uh, uh, good luck at training camp. All right. I'm going to go play with my boys here. He's ready for me. <laughs> Have fun. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. See ya. Thank you. And that was Thomas Morstead, punter for the New York Jets. Always great talking to him. We'll see if we uh, have him on again during the season. Uh, there was there was uh, some questions we didn't get to uh, get to Michael, but uh, I think we got we got the bulk. But you had to ask him the uniform one. Our best questions we got to. You, you pulled you pulled the wool over me on that one. I thought you were going to ask the helmet one, and then you asked the uniform. I was like, oh, I God, had to go this. to the uniforms. Uh, like, we were we were going to ask him about um, what goes into choosing why you wear the bulbous helmet, as you call it, and the which, sleeve uh, jerseys. Instead, it's like what, and what sleeve you, jerseys. What, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nania, myself, Ben W. Blessington. Uh, go to jetsxfactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Uh, rate, uh, review, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. I think that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll have a few more interviews coming out this week, so be on the lookout for that. We also just released a podcast yesterday, uh, given our offensive stat predictions. We'll have another one coming out in the defense next week. So be on the lookout. We're manufacturing content here. But a big thank you to Thomas Morstead uh, giving us some of his time. So everybody have a great week. Go Jets.